Cairo Radio was paid a fee to air the following program. All information discussed on the following program is for general information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. Prior to acting on any legal matter, you should seek legal advice from a qualified legal attorney who can evaluate your situation and advise you accordingly. Welcome to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. Your Partner in Law is brought to you in part by the law firm Gregorick & Associates PLLC. Charting your course to a secure future. Your Partner in Law starts now. Here's your host, Rick Gregorick. Good morning, Puget Sound. This is Scott Ralston live in studio. Thanks for joining us this morning. You know, we know it's going to be just an absolutely gorgeous day, so before you head outside and enjoy this absolutely gorgeous, sun-filled weather that we've got, we really appreciate you, you know, listening to us, and maybe you could shoot us a question if you've got a question. We've got 888-973-5476, and of course, this is your partner in law. We're a Sunday talk show. We talk a little bit. We take calls. Our primary focus is on planning. We talk about business planning, estate planning, uh, and uh, business succession. We talk a little bit sometimes about you know property ownership and some of the planning that needs to go along with that. Yep, a little bit of everything. A little do. bit of everything. That's the sideshow there, it's folks. Like that's the sideshow. It's like legal buffet is kind of what it yeah. is. So there's, there's, there's Ted Hansen for you, folks. So yes, Rick, is, morning, Rick is out of office today. He's on his boat floating around somewhere in the uh, San Juans, I believe. So. Yeah, or south, I think. I can't remember what he said, but anyway, beautiful day to be out there. Well, we don't need him this morning, so yep. we got... You you got plenty here in this room to deal. So we're with. we're going to talk. We're going to kind of change up the gears a little bit here. We're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, planning in the context of couples, okay, and the different phases of being a couple. And you know, one of the things that a lot of people are a little surprised about and don't have a full understanding of is in Washington, when you are you know in a relationship with someone and living with someone. It's considered what they call a committed intimate relationship if there are some factors that are satisfied. Now, it's, you know, living together is an absolute foundation of it, okay? And that's that's kind of the starting point. And, and then, of know, course, duration of time. Du- du- duration of time, duration. the purpose of the relationship. That's right. And, you know, what are the agreements between the parties as well? If and any. If, if any. Well, if any. And oftentimes, you know, this is, this is one of those things because we don't, you know, common law is, is a statutory, you know, where you, you cert, meet certain statutory definitions, requirements, I should say, and you check those things off and the, the state will consider you to be married. And there's a few states that have common law marriage. I know Nevada had it. Yeah, I, Arizona, I, I think, is one of them. There's a couple others. We are not. We are not. And so – Meretricious relationship uh, as a result of cohabitation leads to a lot of uh, litigation. And, you know, one of the ways that you can avoid this is through some form of a cohabitation agreement. It's similar um, to a premarital or a postmarital agreement, which we'll be talking about today as well, because, again, this is. This is the couple uh, edition of planning uh, on your partner-in-law. But, uh, you know, I've done a number of these. Um, I've done a number of just straight cohabitation agreements. They're common for individuals that have been through a divorce. But they are also very useful for individuals that have not been married because Maybe they don't want to get married. Maybe they don't uh, have a have the desire to get married because of their beliefs. It's just the way that they like to live their lifestyle. Maybe they're not sure. Maybe they got commitment issues. Don't I feel that. Don't feel it's that big a deal to get married. Yeah, yeah. all the time, right? So. Yeah. So, so, but anyways, I mean, you know, the the issue that really arises in these types of situations is, you know, you get a younger couple. Let's talk about the younger couple. You get a younger couple. They're in their twenties. Um, you know, they move in together. Uh, they 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 may or may not share expenses. And what I mean by that is they may have common accounts. They may have common insurance. They may keep everything separate. That is not necessarily um, dispositive uh, in making determination in these types of relationships. It does, you know, it does factor in, you know, if you're 
living together and you combine all of your finances, it's, you know, that's a factor that is going to, you know, more likely than not favor the potential finding of a meretricious relationship. Right. But not necessarily. But, you know, and so what happens is, is a lot of times these, these couples, they'll move in together. They may or may not share expenses. They'll maybe have a child or two. Um, and you get, you know, a few years down the road and they split. Well, this is what happens. It's very common. As one of the two will claim they were in a meretricious relationship. And one of the two will say, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. We so, had, yeah, we... We we knew how this was going to play out. It just, it's, it, she didn't listen, or he didn't listen, or something. Well, well, uh, and, and more often, even than that, is it's he said, she said, yep. and he said yep. no, and she says, "Oh, we definitely talked. We were acting like a married couple, and we agreed to this. And this is what you know. And and you get this. Look where, at how we live, right? Right. And so so you get this. This he said, she said, and of course, in the world of family law, he said, she said is the <laughs> Pretty common. Uh, it's the basis of the law. <laughs> it's the basis of the law. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you end up with these these disputes, and you know, if you are in a and this it, again, we're talking about the young couple. This is applicable to any couple. Okay, any couple. It doesn't matter if they're you know middle aged. They both have kids. You know, the Brady Bunch situation. It doesn't matter if they're in their 70s. Yep, the sunset marriage. And, 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 and the, we'll call it the sunset cohabitation, you know. So, um, you know, it is applicable. Age, you know, as far as I know, is not one of the factors that the court is necessarily going to be yeah, considering. That's right. And so what they're going to be looking at is, you know, the, the any couple of any age as potentially being in a cohabitation. So what is the solution? As I said earlier, one of the solutions is an agreement. It's a cohabitation agreement. It is, in a lot of ways, very similar to a premarital agreement or a postmarital agreement. I've done, um, in my practice, I've done straight cohabitation agreements for couples that have no intention of getting married. Oftentimes, those are older couples that have been through divorce once yep. or twice, yep. and they're just not going to do it again. And they, they just, they're just they at the point where they don't want to get married again, but they certainly want to be with someone and they want to live with someone. They just do not want to remarry. And so cohabitation agreement is a really good option for that type of a couple because what it does is it defines what it is that is mine, what it is that is yours. And if we go our separate ways, it defines who's Who gets taking what. what. That's right. You know? That's right. Um, but so many people really don't go to the trouble of doing this sometimes, Scott. I mean, we, we, we see this kind of more from the negative side of things than we do to people that actually have these agreements in place and these kind of relationships can actually work with that in place, assuming everybody's on the same page with the agreement. Right? Well, and, and I think one of the reasons that pe the people do not enter into these agreements is they do not realize that living together under Washington law can trigger right. a, a situation where one party or both parties are um, saying that there is a committed intimate relationship. Right. And so what, what happens in these cases is that once, once the court establishes, say that it goes, goes all the way to trial, and the court establishes that there is, in fact, a committed intimate relationship, they are going to take a look at the property that was acquired during the time period of the committed intimate relationship, it is um, different than a dissolution. And the two major distinctions between a dissolution of marriage or a legal separation is that in a committed intimate relationship, the court does not have authority to award maintenance and it does not have authority to award attorney's fees. And the reason is, is because the statutes have been interpreted by our Supreme Court, our Washington Supreme Court, to only apply to marriage. And in the context of a committed, intimate relationship, this is essentially judge-made law. Uh, it grew up, I'd say, I think the history on it is, you know, kind of somewhere in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, states started adapting some form yeah. of equitable resolution yeah. to basically award, in most cases, women who were in a long-term relationship, and when the relationship ended, they had
had you know no resources. Yeah, and this so, took off in California in the early seventies with the okay. Marvin versus Marvin case. If everybody remembers that Lee Marvin case, he was cohabitating with a young lady for several years, and California for the first time recognized this kind of a relationship and said, "Oh no, that this is where the, the term palimony came from uh-huh, that you uh-huh. that you hear all the time." That was that Marvin versus Marvin case is where that comes from. But that's what we're talking about here, yeah. essentially. And so it's so it's judge made law, and you know. Um, that's not necessarily bad. I know some people, when they hear that word judge-made law, they don't really like it. But it really was invented uh, or adopted, I should say, by the courts to uh, establish equity. It yeah. was it was for fairness. And that's what you know yeah. equity is, is a form of judicial fairness yeah. when, when th- something needs to be done for it to be fair. So, you know, that that is how this kind of came about. And so when, you know, couples are in this committed intimate relationship and they end up in court the court will take a look at the the kind of the situation the marriage the, the relationship i almost called it a marriage there but they'll they'll look at what the parties have acquired in terms of wealth over the time period of the committed intimate relationship and from that they will make a determination as to how it is split um it's definitely different than a divorce where you have very defined property rights. You have community property and separate property, and all of that property comes before the court for equitable distribution. In a committed intimate relationship, yes, all of the, the all of the community pro- or, or the separate property comes before, and what they call the quasi-community property comes before. And the court has no right to invade separate property to achieve equity in a committed intimate relationship, unlike a divorce setting. A divorce setting. Yeah. So there's, there, there are some fairly significant <clears throat> distinctions between the two. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about cohabitation agreements, and then we're going to start talking a little bit about premarital agreements. If you want to join the conversation, it's 888-973-5476. Your partner-in-law will be right back. Sometimes big events in your life all of a sudden cause you to wake up and realize you should start planning for the future. I lost my dad a little over a year ago to cancer, and I remember thinking to myself, I should probably have a will or trust. So I called Rick Gregorick. Now, the reason I called Rick Gregorick is because I've been listening to him on Cairo Radio on Sunday mornings, and the guy is an absolute expert. I sat down with him. I explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or charitable trust, real estate, taxes. It was so complicated. I was so glad I had Rick right there to walk me through the whole process. So be proactive. Take control of your life right now. Go meet with Rick Gregorick and schedule a compliment consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show like I do, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Schedule a meeting with my estate planner, Rick Gregory, at yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. A lot of people with near or over a million dollars in assets will mistakenly pay more in taxes in a long-term care situation than what would have cost them to set up an insurance plan to pay for the care needed. Due to recent changes in the Pension Protection Act, these new asset-based plans guarantee a tax-free benefit for long-term care and pay your state back with interest if you never use it. But most importantly, it's about having a plan. All your kids have to do is carry out your wishes. You're not a burden on them. That's why I love the advice my wife and I got from Brian Ott and 525 Advisors. Brian has an asset-based class Monday, July 22nd in Bellevue. This class is aimed at individuals and couples who have accumulated close to or more than a million dollars in assets and may be considering self-funding their long-term care costs in the future, learn why that is not the best idea. Seating's limited for this special asset-based class. This coming Monday in Bellevue, reserve your spot right now. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Have you ever wondered what would happen to you or your loved ones or your business if you were incapacitated tomorrow or if you died prematurely? None of us plan on it, but not addressing these issues can be catastrophic to your finances, your family, and your business. Hi, this is attorney Rick Gregory, host of Your Partner-in-Law, right here on Cairo Radio every Sunday morning at 8. Elder or estate planning is necessary for all of us, regardless of our wealth or lack of wealth. So whether your estate is large or small, you simply must have a proper legal life plan in place to protect you, your loved ones, and your business. For your free estate or elder law planning consultation, give us a call today at 425-284-3450. 
At Gregorick & Associates, my staff and I will take the time necessary to understand your needs and recommend the best plan for you and your family. Call us today at 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450 or go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Now back to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. Cohabitation, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so welcome back to your partner-in-law. This is Scott Ralston, live in studio with Ted Hanson. We're live. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 1-888-973-5476, 888-973-5476. So we were talking a little bit uh, before the break about cohabitation, cohabitation agreements, why you would want a cohabitation agreement depending on where you are in life. And if you're living with someone, you might want to think about that. So let's let's say uh, that that relationship, you don't have a cohabitation agreement. You are cohabitating and you're starting to think about marriage. Well, you're going to want to think about potentially a premarital agreement. So premarital agreement, um, basically what it does is it, it is an agreement that the parties enter into. And the standard that's applicable to it is, is it fair? When it's entered into, and if it's fair when it's entered into, the courts are not going to really question it further. Now, my impression of that, my opinion of that is basically it has to essentially reflect what the law is in order for it to be fair, which is basically, you know, separate property is a person's separate property and community property uh, is acquired over the course of the marriage. Um, You know, I, I would never rely upon a premarital agreement that is entirely based upon whether it is fair when it is entered into. So that goes to the second step where the court takes a look at process. How was this agreement negotiated? Was was the uh, party that was provided or the party that proposed, did they give the other person a reasonable opportunity to consult with independent counsel? Do they understand the agreement? Do they understand the rights that they are waiving? And there's some other factors that kind of factor yeah. in, but the courts are going to look at process, okay? And, you know, so so assuming you follow process, which is always my recommendation when I'm uh, advising clients on premarital agreements is to follow the process. You follow the process. What you do is you enter into an agreement that essentially defines what happens to community property, separate property, and maintenance, previously known as alimony, when the parties either divorce or if they uh, if one of them passes away. Okay, so those those are the kind of the two triggering events where the agreement, the premarital agreement, can be a postmarital agreement as well. Same standard applicable, by the way, for negotiation of a postmarital agreement. Um, so so the, basically the triggering events, those two triggering events will result in the division of the property per the terms of the agreement and possibly maintenance as well if that's part if of it's the part agreement. Of it. so. I've seen a lot of those that don't address maintenance issues, but, but there, there, there's certainly some that do. And, and I think maybe it might be helpful, Scott, to talk about what, what it is, what is the underpinning of these agreements. And essentially, we call it financial nudity, right? So everybody discloses their tax returns. Everybody discloses Correct. their and that's one of the factors. Everybody, dis, you know, has – it. basically, it's a list, folks, right? We have this list of his and ours and, and hers, right? So, And then yeah. the list ba- basically forms the foundation of the agreement. But there are other documents that come into play for what Scott's talking about now, which is process and fairness. And the more information given, the more likely that agreement is to be upheld. Well, and what, what the underlying – motivation of process that the courts are, are really looking at is, is do you understand what it is that you are giving up by entering into a pre- or post-marital agreement? Right. And so that full financial disclosure is necessary. It's, a, it's a, one of the necessary factors in determination of the validity of the premarital agreement so that people fully understand what it is that they're giving up. And then right. understanding, you know, having an understanding of the law as well. You right. have to as part of this process. You need to understand not just the value of what you're giving up, but also just the law itself that's applicable to those assets. Yes. And so so when parties do, you know, split, oftentimes these agreements 
Um, you know, there, there are, I've done many, many of these agreements and they all have different kinds of nuances because couples generally, you know, they have kind of some special circumstances. It depends a lot on, you know, the assets that each of them bring to the relationship. It can depend on the duration of the relationship up until the point in time when they enter into the premarital agreement. Um, it can depend upon family circumstances and what's going on in the background, uh, age, I may have mentioned that, but age is going to be another factor that people, you know, just kind of take into consideration for what yep. it is that they're going to agree to. And, you know, premarital agreements are most common for individuals that have already been through a divorce. We just don't see that many premarital agreements for the 20-something couple that's getting married <laughs> for the first time. Who really needs it. <laughs> really well, and, and right. we, the, the most common situation where we do see the young couple um, – Getting a premarital agreement is where one of those individuals or possibly both of those individuals comes from a wealthy family and there is in an anticipated inheritance down yep. the road or, or involvement in a family business yeah, or that's something. That's exactly like what that I was just about to say. So, so, so usually younger, you know, 20-something couples, first marriage, no kids, you know, there, there's not going to be a premarital agreement. But, of course, there are exceptions, as we just outlined. And so when, these, when individuals enter into these agreements, what they're doing is, is they're defining, okay, who, who gets what if we separate, divorce, or who gets what when somebody passes away. And most often people basically say, okay, what, I, what is my separate property that I'm bringing to this relationship and, and the accumulation of value and income derived from that separate property, I want to continue to maintain as my separate property. So, you know, a couple gets together and one of them has a rental house and a large brokerage account, okay? That's what they're bringing to the marriage. And that's the thing that they may want to keep separate, but they also want to build a community. So their earned income Okay, and and whatever they buy with the other couple would be part of that pile of defined community property. So when we get back, we'll, we'll address this a little bit more. We're going to talk about it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about planning in this couple context. Your partner in law. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what would happen to you or your loved ones or your business if you were incapacitated tomorrow or if you died prematurely? None of us plan on it, but not addressing these issues can be catastrophic to your finances, your family, and your business. Hi, this is attorney Rick Gregory, host of your partner-in-law, right here on Cairo Radio every Sunday morning at 8. Elder or estate planning is necessary for all of us, regardless of our wealth or lack of wealth. So whether your estate is large or small, you simply must have a proper legal life plan in place to protect you, your loved ones, and your business. For your free estate or elder law planning consultation, give us a call today at 425-284-3450. At Gregor & Associates, my staff and I will take the time necessary to understand your needs and recommend the best plan for you and your family. Call us today at 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450 or go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. A lot of people with near or over a million dollars in assets will mistakenly pay more in taxes in a long-term care situation than what would have cost them to set up an insurance plan to pay for the care needed. Due to recent changes in the Pension Protection Act, these new asset-based plans guarantee a tax-free benefit for long-term care and pay your estate back with interest if you never use it. But most importantly, it's about having a plan. All your kids have to do is carry out your wishes. You're not a burden on them. That's why I love the advice my wife and I got from Brian Ott and 52 Five advisors. Brian has an asset-based class Monday, July 22nd in Bellevue. This class is aimed at individuals and couples who have accumulated close to or more than a million dollars in assets and may be considering self-funding their long-term care costs in the future. Learn why that is not the best idea. Seating's limited for this special asset-based class. This coming Monday in Bellevue. Reserve your spot right now. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Sometimes big events in your life all of a sudden cause you to wake up and realize you should start planning for the future. I lost my dad a little over a year ago to cancer, and I remember thinking to myself, 
I should probably have a will or trust. So I called Rick Gregorick. Now, the reason I called Rick Gregorick is because I've been listening to him on Cairo Radio on Sunday mornings, and the guy is an absolute expert. I sat down with him. I explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or charitable trust, real estate, taxes. It was so complicated. I was so glad I had Rick right there to walk me through the whole process. So be proactive. Take control of your life right now. Go meet with Rick Gregorick and schedule a compliment consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show like I do, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Schedule a meeting with my estate planner, Rick Gregorick, at yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. We return to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH with your host, Rick Gregorick. Welcome back to Your Partner-in-Law. This is Scott Ralston live in studio with Ted Hansen. Boy, don't you wish we were outside? I, well, you know what? In about oh, yeah, look at a couple that. of minutes here. Too far away. Yeah, so. While we're on that topic, it's a beautiful day. i got to give a plug to John's Northwest Outdoors. John Blank took me, family and I, fishing yesterday up at Lake Goodwin. We had a wonderful time, so I told John I'd give him a plug. Well, that's nice. And <laughs> I, you showed me some pictures that looked like you caught yourself a couple goldfish. I actually got me a few. <laughs> yeah, I actually got me a few. That was a lot of fun. So anyway, Scott, we're back talking about this. Uh, so yeah, we were talking about the and marital agreements and that sort the, the, of thing. the premarital agreement and basically kind of the what happens when the parties go their separate ways. Okay, so you they they enter into the agreement and you know, like I said earlier, the, what couples agree upon is always unique. Okay, it it really is. They, there's just certain things that they they have in mind that they want to protect in the event. That they uh, are no longer, you know, together, uh, whether through a legal separation or a divorce. There's certain things that or they death. want to protect. Yeah. So, so that in the context of death, okay, oftentimes these premarital agreements are for second marriages, third marriages, where the individuals have, you know, children, okay. And so what they're, and we talk about this all the time: blended family relationship, okay. And so oftentimes when you do comprehensive estate planning as a blended family, one of the things that will be part of that is a separate property agreement or postmarital agreement or premarital agreement. You know, any of these things would potentially apply depending on the circumstances. But, you know, there's some form of agreement that defines what is part of the community pot and what is part of the separate pot. And, you know, oftentimes the couples that are coming into these uh, later in life second, third marriage types of relationships, their interest is twofold. One, they've been through divorce, okay? So they know they know about the uncertainty, the cost, the emotions that are involved. And when you enter into that premarital agreement, it'll, it doesn't necessarily eliminate all of those things, but it really, really significantly reduces a, a lot of those potentialities when you separate yeah. or go through the divorce because you have an agreement – that says what's going to happen. You know, husband's going to get X, wife is going to get Y, husband is going to pay, you know, two years of maintenance at X. You know, so all these things are defined, okay? And the, those separate property agreements are also important for estate planning because, you know, second marriage and it's great and it lasts and it's awesome and it goes on for 20 plus years. Okay, but then someone becomes disabled, one of the spouses becomes disabled, or one of the spouses becomes uh, uh, passes away, excuse me. And so, so these, these separate property agreements um, also trigger how assets are divided upon you know, disability or upon death, so that these, these different piles of, of separate property and community property go where the individuals want them to go. Yeah. And that's and that's that's part of comprehensive planning. Yeah, and it, it's critical really for most people, I think, Scott, and you, you kind of hit it on the head. Most of these people have already been through a divorce before. They perhaps got burned or felt like they got burned in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, everyone that, goes through this any a, of these things yeah, feel like they got burned. It's a protective measure, and, and, you know, more people than – I don't know what the reluctance is really for not doing it, but there's a lot of folks out there that just kind of fly by the seat of their pants in this arena, and that's kind of why we're talking about this today because that's really leaving yourself wide open for the what if and the 
court to determine what happens with your assets when you have the opportunity to do it yourself. So, well, and I know I know from my own experience in dealing with different couples, you know, approaching the other individual uh, when you're going into a second or third type of marriage relationship is is a sensitive topic. Yeah, and. It can cause a lot of uh, strain on yeah. the relationship, and so what happens is, is sometimes people just, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'll avoid it. Yeah. And as a result, okay, if you avoid it, you're back to where you were yes. with the first yes. dissolution or the second dissolution. Yeah. So, you know, you're you can either deal with it on the back end where it's going to cost you a lot more money, or you can deal with it on the front end where it's going to cost you less money. And when I say lot. More money, less money. I'm talking about the legal fees, actually, yeah. because the cost of a premarital agreement is, frankly, a fraction of the cost of a divorce. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's the same thing with estate planning. We talk about this all the time. The cost of a well-done, well-thought-out, well-planned, well-advised estate plan is significantly less than no estate oh, plan no question about it. or a bad estate plan. No question about it. And that, that's kind of hard to get people to understand, but but, uh, but, but that's absolutely true. And and uh, And – and to take this a step further, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, is what happens when you're in this situation and you and you perhaps don't have this or you die before you have this in place or those types of topics. So uh, there's a whole uh, body of law that underlies this. And uh, basically, like we talked about before, it involves some, some serious disclosure is what really it makes it all work, right? So it's critical that we have these things in place. And particularly for you folks that are coming out of those second marriages and have substantial assets, by all means, please do this. Okay. So we're going to take another break and be back to talk to you a little bit more about this planning area of divorces and cohabitation. My dad would always say the three worst words in the English language were shoulda, coulda, and woulda. So many people with retirement right around the corner or in the middle of it have the shoulda, coulda, wouldas facing them. They're not proactive. You didn't take care of the will. You didn't take care of the trust. They didn't do what was needed to do when it came to real estate and taxes. So right now, let's avoid the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and call Rick Gregorick. Rick Gregorick is my estate planner. I sat down with Rick, explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or a charitable trust, real estate or taxes. It is so complicated. You've got to rely on an expert like Rick, who is so kind and knowledgeable about all of it. So be proactive. Take control of your life now. You can schedule a complimentary consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick, my estate planner, yourpartnerinlaw.com. This is Michael Medved. Financial experts will tell you that you should have a plan in place for the high cost of long-term care. If your plan consists of using your savings to pay for any long-term care needs in the future, then take a moment to contact 525 Advisors. 525 advisors are the local long-term care experts. They will show you how to set up an asset-based plan using a portion of your existing savings. Now, this way, you maintain control of your money, and you're guaranteed to get your money back even if you don't need long-term care. For every dollar you put in today, 525 Advisors will show you how to get 3 to $4 back in tax-free long-term care protection. Call 525 Advisors today to learn how you can put a portion of your savings to work and protect your family and the rest of your assets from the high cost of long-term care. Call today at 425-748-8188. That's 425-748-8188 at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. Retirement. What does it mean to you? Has it changed as a result of today's economy? Are you worried about your future? Could there be stormy seas ahead? Hi, this is Rick Gregrick, founder of Gregrick & Associates. We're a dedicated team of legal and tax professionals that can help you navigate your course for a secure future. Whether you're just thinking about your retirement or you're well into your retirement years, whether you're single, married, or involved in a domestic partnership, we can help you create your necessary legal and tax planning. I am so glad I found one firm that can help me with all my legal and tax needs. Call today for your free consultation. 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. You can also sign up for a partner-in-law event. Just go to yourpartnerinlaw.com and find the elder law or estate planning course that's best for you. You can register for both events by going to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Yourpartnerinlaw.com. 
Now back to your partner in law with Rick Gregorick on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. That'll wake up. ZZ Top. Yeah. Coming at you live. All right. So welcome back to your partner in law. We're, we're theme of the show. We're talking a little bit about uh, cohabitation, premarital agreements, separate property agreements, and the interplay between uh, estate planning. So the blended family, you know, one of my favorite topics of discussion. The reason is, is because I do a lot of family law, but I also do a lot of trust and estate dispute resolution which is always involving these blended families. I mean, not always, I shouldn't say that, but a significant, a significant majority of yeah. these cases involve blended families. And, you know, it involves blended families not, you know, most people think of it involving blended families when one of the two spouses in the blended family passes away. That is not always the case. It's oftentimes the case, but not always the case. We run into a lot of issues in blended families when one becomes disabled as well. Yeah. And, you know, we talk all the time on the show about estate planning and estate plans. An estate plan is not a will. Okay. A lot of people, you know, do you have an estate plan? Yeah, I have a will. That is not an estate plan. That is part of an estate plan. But that is not an estate plan because you also need, you know, decision-making documentation. Yep. Your powers of attorney for medical decision-making and your powers of attorney for financial decision-making. So in the context of a blended family, the married couple sits down and they talk with an attorney. Possibly they have two separate attorneys, kind of depending on the circumstance. They, they get an estate plan together, and that estate plan will consist of the his and hers components of the estate plan. And... There is literally an infinite number of ways that this can be done, and it really, really depends upon what that couple wants. Yeah, it's a very factual kind of a scenario. Anytime we talk to clients, everybody has their own unique needs, and and what Scott's referring to now is absolutely spot on, and that is that the death document is just a small part of estate planning, and it's more important to have, excuse me, particularly as you grow older, robust powers of attorney for health care and robust powers of attorney for finance management in the event you can't do it. And then if you don't have those documents in place and you lose capacity, now you're down the guardianship route, which we've had shows on before. We're not really going to get into that today. But these are substitutes, folks, for guardianship actions because most people don't realize that they don't necessarily have authority to invade their husband's IRA account or some other separate property account or something like that that we encounter all the time in these situations. Right. And so and, – and we talk a lot about you know blended families in the context of – you know we keep saying the second marriage, okay? The really complicated blended family case is – the meretricious relationship blended family, okay? Yes. Because if you want to pile uncertainty upon uncertainty and potential for litigation, the relationship where you have a couple that is living in a potentially uh, committed intimate relationship and then one of them becomes disabled or one of them passes away – I mean, you are talking about tremendous uncertainty in those yeah. types of cases. And this is the kind yeah. of things that can be avoided through planning. That's right. And, and, and a lot of times this, this issue becomes real when one of them needs to have care outside of the home, Correct. right? And then what, what bucket of money is going to That's be used to pay for exactly this right. out-of-the-home care? And this is really where this gets really tricky because you have you know her kids and his kids. And, of course, her kids aren't going to want to use her money to pay for his care, right? And or, vice or, versa, or, or vice versa. Or sometimes they they don't want him to use his money yeah, exactly. for his care. Exactly. I mean, and this is this is these are realities. I yeah. mean it's it, the vultures start to circle. <laughs> I know it sounds awful. It's true though. But right? it is so. it is what happens. And and when I say the vultures start to circle, kids and this is I know it's just horrible, but kids look to their parents and they look to their parents' estate for the purpose of either A making sure that their parent is protected and that the funds that their parent has are only used for them, or they look to their parents' funds as their own because their expectation 
right. that they are going to be receiving it. Right. And it may be that that parent wants in this blended family context that their kids do receive that. Right. Okay. But if that is the case, that comes back to you have to get the planning in place because if you do not have the planning in place, the potential for litigation, the potential for uncertainty, the potential for cost, uh, emotional damage within the family, I mean, it is just tremendous and it can be avoided, but it has to be done by the couple. The couple needs to do the planning. Yeah, and also – with all fairness, a great deal of transparency with these kind of situations is always helpful, but it rarely occurs. You know, like the kids don't talk to each other or they don't even know each other in some well, cases. Well, yeah, and right? that's, so that's not unusual. We have a lot of those kind of situations, particularly these older in life second marriages. Sometimes these people don't even know each other in they, these they, relationships. Right? Yeah, so. they, they, you can have a relationship where people have been together 10, 20 years and their respective children have never even met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that is not entirely yeah. usual. Yet alone trying to get along when some kind of crisis occurs, right? Right. When mom falls or mom has a stroke or something and all of a sudden they, they, all of these people come into this whirlwind of emotion and finances. And if, if you don't have any kind of plan in place, this is really where it gets to Well, and as you said, with the transparency, I mean, one of the things that is, you know, important, we say to plan early and plan often. And part of that plan early and plan often is so that there is transparency and so that your children – you know, when they're in their 50s, they know you have a plan. When you're in, when they're in their 60s, they know you have a plan. When yeah. they're in their 70s, they know you have a plan. And so that can really reduce a number of issues that can arise in these types of cases. One is it can reduce the potential for the litigation. Uh, and the other thing is it can reduce the uh, potential for undue influence. And we'll talk a little bit about that after the break. Your partner in law, if you want to join the conversation, one 973 5476 We'll be right back. Sometimes big events in your life all of a sudden cause you to wake up and realize you should start planning for the future. I lost my dad a little over a year ago to cancer, and I remember thinking to myself, I should probably have a will or trust. So I called Rick Gregorick. Now, the reason I called Rick Gregorick is because I've been listening to him on Cairo Radio on Sunday mornings, and the guy is an absolute expert. I sat down with him. I explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or charitable trust, real estate, taxes. It was so complicated. I was so glad I had Rick right there to walk me through the whole process. So be proactive. Take control of your life right now. Go meet with Rick Gregorick and schedule a complimentary consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show like I do, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Schedule a meeting with my estate planner, Rick Gregory at yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. A lot of people with near or over a million dollars in assets will mistakenly pay more in taxes in a long-term care situation than what would have cost them to set up an insurance plan to pay for the care needed. Due to recent changes in the Pension Protection Act, these new asset-based plans guarantee a tax-free benefit for long-term care and pay your estate back with interest if you never use it. But most importantly, it's about having a plan. All your kids have to do is carry out your wishes. You're not a burden on them. That's why I love the advice my wife and I got from Brian Ott and 525 Advisors. Brian has an asset-based class Monday, July 22nd in Bellevue. This class is aimed at individuals and couples who have accumulated close to or more than a million dollars in assets and may be considering self-funding their long-term care costs in the future? Learn why that is not the best idea. Seating's limited for this special asset-based class this coming Monday in Bellevue. Reserve your spot right now. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Have you ever wondered what would happen to you or your loved ones or your business if you were incapacitated tomorrow or if you died prematurely? None of us plan on it, but not addressing these issues can be catastrophic to your finances, your family, and your business. Hi, this is attorney Rick Gregory, host of Your Partner in Law, right here on Cairo Radio every Sunday morning at 8. Elder or estate planning is necessary for all of us, regardless of our wealth or lack of wealth. So whether your estate is large or small, you simply must have a proper legal life plan in place to protect you, your loved ones, and your business. For your free estate or elder law planning consultation, give us a call today at 425-284-3450. 
At Gregor & Associates, my staff and I will take the time necessary to understand your needs and recommend the best plan for you and your family. Call us today at 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450 or go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. We return to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH with your host, Rick Rederick. Another wake up. Get out of bed. Uh, well, you got you got you got a few minutes here to listen to what we have, our wisdom, uh, before you can head on out and enjoy this absolutely gorgeous day. So, yep, gonna be a good one. Before the break, we're talking a little bit about it, is transparency with your estate planning in a blended relationship, and how important this is. And I mentioned just before the break that. You know, having that transparency can really help with undue influence. And what what I mean by that, and we do run into this a lot. Let's say that you you do your estate plan. You know, your your second marriage is in your you know mid mid to late fifties, and you do your estate planning in your mid to late fifties, and you share it with your families. Okay, you share it with both sides of the family. This is our estate plan. This is what we we are doing. This is our decision, not yours. And then you do it, amend it. And you amend it and you amend it. And you do like four or five amendments and then one of the individuals becomes disabled or one of the individuals passes away. How that potentially prevents undue influence is if there isn't this transparency and you do an estate plan and then you do an estate plan and you do an estate plan and it's fairly consistent, tweaks here and there, but you've never shared it and then you start losing your capacity and then all of a sudden one of your kids swoops in. And they get you to start signing things that you don't fully understand, but they put them in front of you because of your diminished capacity. When you've had the transparency, you know, that conduct is, first of all, less likely to occur, in my opinion. And second of all, if it does occur, it is less likely to be the outcome. Okay. And that's, and that's one of the things why we say plan early, plan often. And then also that transparency can really add a, a dimension of uh, security in that your plan, as you intended, when you had your capacity, is the plan that sticks. That's it how it is plays the out. plan that's that right. plays out. That's right. And so that's that's one of the reasons why in these blended family contexts we think that it's very important um, that you know you you be forthright, you be yeah. open, you be forthright. Not everyone wants to do that. Okay, and we understand that because there's a desire for privacy. There may be a desire not to get into it with some of your kids sure. because and people are just generally cagey about their money, right? I mean, yeah, it's just a natural reaction that we have, right? Yeah. I mean, all of us have our certain degree of things that we, you know, that we just kind of are uncomfortable topics or whatever, yeah. and a lot of that revolves around the use of money, and this is one of the biggest items out there and, 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 and involves, like Scott said, a lot of litigation at, at very many levels. And a lot of times that could be avoided by simple communication. That's yeah. just not there, right? So, yeah. So if you're, you're in, so the, the theme of the show, cohabitation and premarital agreements, you know, we, we have in Washington the, you know, what they call the committed intimate relationship. It used to be called meretricious relationship. I think I used that word once today. Uh, but it's now referred to by the courts as the committed intimate relationship. Second marriage uh, or just a relationship where you guys are, are living together for an extended period of time and kind of acting like a married couple. You need to get your planning in place. What that planning will be will really depend upon your particular situation. But you need to do something to get that planning in place because, you know, we both – Ted and I are litigators. Ted does a little bit more estate planning. He does some litigation. I do primarily mostly litigation. And I can tell you that what families go through in these blended family disputes or in these committed intimate relationship disputes or combine those, you've got a committed intimate relationship blended family dispute. You know, these are very, very expensive. They are also uh, very um, – 
unpredictable. Emotionally draining, for sure. Emotionally draining, for sure. Um, They can definitely create a lot of hard feelings among family members um, just across the board. We don't even have to call out what specific family members get hurt in these types of situations, but they can be very emotionally demanding, damaging, excuse me. But the other thing is, is the uncertainty. You know, you have the ability when you're in any of these relationships that we've talked about today to plan for the the desired outcome that you have. If you do not plan for your desired outcome, you don't know what's going to happen. Your kids may get disinherited. That may be what you want. That may not be what you want. Um, but that happens a great deal too. It does. It happens a great deal. Yeah. And so, you know, if if what you want is a certain plan, and whatever that plan is, you need to sit down with qualified attorney, chat with them about it, and start putting together the planning documents. Yeah, absolutely critical that you folks address these kind of things. Like I said, and like Scott says, you do have the ability to work around these things. Sometimes that topic's very uncomfortable, but it's much less uncomfortable than paying $20,000 to unwind it at the end of the road because it went wrong, right? And don't just trust that things will work out. I hear this all the time, too, that, oh, things will just work out. Well, things generally just don't work out in a lot of these cases, right? I mean, it's just Yeah, that, that, that burying the head in the sand, the yeah. ostrich approach, it yeah. does not – it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, he he would never do that, or she would never do that. Well, <laughs> until it happens, you don't you don't know that for sure. But you do have the ability to control the outcome if you just take the time to sit down with somebody and talk about. Yeah, it. and and also you know you you just kind of mentioned something that sparked uh, a thought. You know these oral agreements. You know, as between yeah. second third marriage. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll I'll take care of your kids. Don't worry, your yeah. kids will get this. The kids will get that. Invariably. They're not worth the paper they're not written on. They are not worth the paper they are not written on. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> These things do not occur. And I cannot tell you how many times I've sat across the table for oh, someone yeah. that comes in yeah. and says, Dad said this is how it was going to be. Or Mom yeah. said this is how it was going to be. Yeah. And then they hand me what the papers are or hand me you know, the, the court filings. And it's like, no. No, no, yeah. this is not how it is. Yeah, that's right. It is not, that's how, not how this is going to work. It's not how this is going to so, work. And, and then you watch the jaws drop, right? You, you, <laughs> and it's just in the crying starts yeah. and the and the bitterness starts. So, yeah. you know, plan. You know, don't expect that these things are going to work out or that they're going to work themselves out. You've got to put your documentation together. You got to meet with an attorney. You know, this is your partner in law. Every Sunday morning, we talk about issues like this or similar or even different. But you know, we are a planning firm, as we say. Yep, and give we can us help a call. you with all of this. Yeah, give us a call, 425-284-3450. 425-284-3450 during the week. Set an appointment. Come and visit us. Initial planning consultations are complimentary. Free of charge. And we do mean free, folks. So, well, thank you for joining us today. Your partner-in-law will be back next week. Thanks for listening to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick. Event info, newsletters, and Your Partner in Law podcast can all be found at yourpartnerinlaw.com. To schedule an appointment with Rick Gregorick, call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. For more information on the show or to sign up for a free Partner in Law event, visit yourpartnerinlaw.com. Tune in next Sunday morning at 9 to Your Partner in Law with your host, Rick Gregorick.